Welcome to How to Trade It, The Road to Trading Mastery. Join Casey Stubbs, a seasoned trader, as he guides you to become a profitable trader. Find actionable insights, real-life stories, and strategies to boost your trading skills. Don't miss the journey to trading victory. Start listening now. Connect with us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Trading profits are just an episode away. This is Casey Stubbs from the Finance and Markets Podcast. Today we have a special episode with Pennsylvania State Representative Dr. Rick Saccone, who is currently running for Congress. We will learn who is this man who is running for Congress and why he wants to fight to protect the people of this nation. Listen in as I talk in depth with Dr. Rick Saccone. Hello, this is Casey Stubbs with State Representative Dr. Rick Saccone, who is currently running for Congress, and we're really excited to have him on the show today. So thank you for being with us. Thanks, Casey. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, it's really an honor uh, to have you on the show. As a matter of fact, I went to one of your talks a couple of weeks ago, and I realized it was a really small world because you were talking about how you were working on security in Mosul, Iraq, after they had a, an attack there where several uh, soldiers died in the chow hall. Um, I was actually in Iraq at that time. I was a truck driver and I was driving all over. So I would drive to Mosul and I was really glad that there were people like yourself helping improve security uh, for, the, for the locations where the troops were living. Wow, what a small world. Yes, uh, I was in Baghdad when it happened and uh, uh, there was chaos up in Mosul after that. And uh, so I was sent up there to try to bring order to the chaos on those two bases up there. Um, uh, uh, Mosul Airfield and and uh, and Fob uh, Merez, and you know we had like ten thousand people on those two bases, half of which were foreigners. So we had to vet those people uh, to prevent those that wanted to kill us from coming on the base, and only allow those that were there to help us. And so that was a was a very interesting time in uh, in the Iraq War. So how do you think that experiences like that can help you do your job and what you're trying to run for now and running for Congress to represent the people of Pennsylvania? Well, that's just one small example of uh, how I know our enemy. I've been face to face uh, at the front with our enemy, uh, dealing with them. And in this particular case where we had to vet foreigners where we, from a more foreign country where we had no idea really of whether they were telling us the truth about their background or not. And I developed a system that would help us do that. That was very successful. Uh, doesn't, don't you think that applies very well to uh, uh, how we're uh, vetting Syrian refugees today or other refugees from a war-torn country? If we're making policy dealing with that, wouldn't you like someone that's actually done it successfully to be, uh, be, to be on the Foreign Affairs Committee or the Intelligence Committee uh, or the Homeland Security Committee making uh, policy decisions? I absolutely do. I think experience is one of the most important things that you can bring to the table, especially when you have experience doing it before. It seems like a lot of times politicians may not have experience in what they're actually doing. So there's probably a big learning curve involved. Um, so I wanted to also ask you a little bit, just if you could just share us a little bit about your background, getting ready uh, to where you're at right now. Could you just share a little bit about yourself? 
Sure, I'm a retired military officer. I spent uh, 18 years in the United States Air Force, mostly in intelligence and counterespionage. But I actually started off on the flight line working on airplanes, aircraft mechanic on, the, on, uh, on most of our modern fighter aircraft, F4, uh, well, at that time, 105s, F-111s, uh, T-38s, F-5s, A-10s, F-16s, F-15s. Uh, so I worked on all of those until I became, uh, or got into the counterintelligence uh, criminal fraud area as a special agent. So I worked uh, overseas mostly. I think I spent about eight years uh, in the military overseas and spent several more uh, in private sector overseas after I retired working uh, in international business overseas. So I've been to 75 countries. So I have a lot of international experience, both in the military and in the international business arena. I uh, came back uh, after I retired from the military and I uh, finished my PhD at, in international relations at the University of Pittsburgh and was teaching at St. Vincent College in Latrobe. Taught my first class there in 1999. So I've been pretty much there ever since. Uh, teaching all of the international courses I could, including a class on global terrorism, since I have experience in that area. Uh, then I had a really unique opportunity to go to North Korea under what was called the old agreed framework, which we're hearing about now on the news again, uh, as President Trump is trying to negotiate a deal with the North Koreans. But for one year, I was in North Korea, the only American living there at the time, uh, engaging and dealing with North Koreans and uh, successfully working with them on that project. I wrote two books about it when I came back. Uh, I've written nine books total uh, on business and culture and history and, and so forth. And uh, uh, so I, I worked successfully in North Korea, came back from there, I have a good skill set on working in North Korea. And, I, and again, I say, wouldn't you like a person like that that's actually dealt with North Koreans face to face uh, on the Foreign Affairs Committee in Washington, DC, the helping advise the president on policy. And uh, I think it's pretty amazing because when I talked to President Trump, uh, we talked about North Korea, and uh, he, he gave me a good shout out at the last uh, campaign rally that he came to, and he mentioned that uh, Rick Saccone knows more about North Korea, he said, than all these so-called experts and geniuses down there in Washington that are briefing me. It was pretty good. If you go back and watch the video, it was, it was a nice shout out from the president. So uh, I came back after that and went back to teaching again, and uh, the war in Iraq broke out. That's when I, just, I got the call to go over and, uh, and work in, uh, first in Baghdad and then up in Mosul. Uh, again, working in counterintelligence, bringing my skill set to, to bear in the actual war front, war zone, and I was there for one year. Uh, came back from that, went back to teaching, and then ran for the state legislature. And uh, there were a lot of things going on in our state, headed in the wrong direction, budgets not on time, tax increases uh, every year, and I decided to uh, to run for that in a in a district. In a, I'm a Republican in a 76% Democrat district gerrymandered to keep a Democrat in power. And I, my wife and I knocked on a, a lot of doors, 18,000 doors, and uh, we won that seat. Uh, and uh, we won it three more times since then. So I'm in my fourth term in the state legislature. And we've done a lot. I, I campaigned on bringing the Castle Doctrine to Pennsylvania, very much pro-Second Amendment. We voted on that the year after I was elected and, brought, and passed it, brought the Castle Doctrine to Pennsylvania. I'm an A-plus rated life benefactor, member of the NRA and a life member of FOAC. Uh, which is as another statewide organization here, pro Second Amendment. I have more pro Second Amendment bills going through the legislature than any other legislator uh, in either uh, house of uh, of our, our legislature in Pennsylvania. So I've always been a part of that. And I've we've passed a number of bills. I had three signed into law. Veterans Affairs is a big. I have a heart for veterans, so I'm on the Veterans Affairs Committee too. And we've done a lot for veterans in the state of Pennsylvania. 
Pennsylvania has the fourth largest number of veterans in the country. Uh, and my area has the largest number of veterans in the state. So we do a lot for veterans and I, uh, I try to reach out to them. We have a, we've done a number of bills, property tax exemptions for 100% disabled veterans, uh, veteran on the civil service commission to help uh, veterans, returning veterans get jobs within the state, um, veterans designation on their driver's license, so forth. We have a lot of things out there. You know, and I want to take that skill set and go to Washington, D.C. and help reform the VA because, you know, at the federal level, we still have problems with our taking care of our veterans. And so I want to take that skill set that I've learned at the state level and go to Washington and help uh, help at the federal level. That's a great background. You've got a really good history. In 2010, you ran for state representative in Pennsylvania. Uh, what was it that really pushed you in the direction to run and become a public servant? Well, you know, I've always been most of my adult life serving our country in one way or the other. And uh, when I saw the direction of our state and how the people were complaining and unhappy with what was going on in our state legislature, and here I am teaching political science at a, at a college. I thought, you know, it's time to go out and, and actually get up there and roll up your sleeves and do something about it. And, and no one thought we could win, uh, but we did. And uh, we've rolled up our sleeves ever since, and the people have been very happy with what we've done. Dr. Saccone, in your eight years of serving in the House of Representatives of Pennsylvania, what's your most important accomplishment so far? So there are so many. It's hard to judge which, which one is my favorite. As I already mentioned, I think because I, the things I ran on, I think, are important to to discuss uh, as accomplishments because that's what I told people and that's what people voted me in for initially. One was the Castle Doctrine, as I said, to bring, we had the duty to retreat in Pennsylvania and to change that law and, and allow people to defend themselves in their homes and, and wherever they're uh, lawfully uh, allowed to be, I think was a, it was very critical. People really wanted that and we were able to accomplish that. Property tax reform was, was actually the number one issue uh, that I ran on and of most concern to people and just this past November, the voters finally voted in a referendum to reform the way a constitutional amendment to change the way we uh, uh, fund our schools and to change the way we uh, uh, make them pay their property tax. So uh, that was another huge accomplishment. It took almost the, the whole, took seven years and a constitutional referendum to do it, but uh, we've accomplished that. I am 100% pro-life, unashamedly pro-life. I'm out there actively engaged on the pro-life issue and when we passed the bill after the Gosnell tragedy in Philadelphia, where that, that clinic that was uh, just, uh, if you may remember the scandals of uh, how many babies were, were killed there and how many uh, women were, were injured or killed there. When we, just, when we passed that bill to raise the health inspection standards of abortion clinics uh, to the same level as other clinics, just doing that alone, which was a huge lift, uh, we were able to, since then, uh, I think we're up to almost 20 clinics now that have closed uh, because they couldn't meet the health standards. That means they weren't, they weren't really giving women the health care that they promised. And I, I think how many babies we've saved since then and how many women's lives we've saved uh, and, uh, because just because we raised the, the health standards uh, for uh, the health care that they're supposed to get in those clinics. Um, shrinking the size of the legislature, so many people have talked about that. that that's another reason they... Uh, that something they wanted me to, to do when I got to the legislature. I voted positively and spoken positively on that bill five times. And I think it's finally, it's passed twice. It's another constitutional referendum. It's going, it's in the Senate right now. And uh, we need to get that through and it should be on the ballot in November and the voters will finally get to 
to vote on whether they want to shrink the size of our legislatures, the largest full-time legislature in the United States. Privatizing our liquor stores, uh, we've moved ahead with that, and we have now wine in our in our uh, convenience stores and our grocery stores. Um, slowly moving forward, but we are moving forward on getting the government out of the business of of selling liquor. Uh, so, uh, and then there's a number of smaller issues. Those are the big issues, and there are a number of smaller issues. Uh, my bill on stolen valor passed unanimously and was uh, uh, signed into law last year, which uh, says that if a if a person you know, poses as a veteran for his own private financial gain, uh, uh, then uh, he can be he can be now prosecuted. Uh, that bill was very popular, wanted wanted by the, both the veterans community and everybody wanted it. Really, it was it was it's a good bill. Um, so you know, just just a lot of things. My bill on child uh, internet child sex predators passed unanimously. Both houses signed into law and by a liberal Democratic governor and supported by a liberal Democratic attorney general. Uh, so uh, another great piece of legislation that will help take internet child sex predators off the street and has been doing so very successfully. So there are just a lot of accomplishments. I could probably reel off 10 or 15 more and, uh, and, there's, and there's more to come. Well, that's, that's, that's some really great stuff. Uh, Dr. Saccone, what are your most important principles and values that guide you while you're in your office and while you're working? Yeah, I always believe in honesty and integrity. That's what I've ran on. I think that's what my reputation is, people that I serve. I try to give them the truth, the unvarnished truth. It's not always uh, pretty, but uh, people just want to be told the truth. They want to know what's really going on. And I've prided myself on communicating well with the people and giving them the truth and, and uh, trying to get them to engage so that we can come to some, some great decisions on how we govern. And uh, I think I've lived up to that for the last eight years. And I want to take that to Washington because they surely need it down there. I would agree. And when you say integrity, what is your definition of integrity? Integrity is doing the right thing, even when no one else is looking. And, uh, you know, I, you know, people elect you to go to office. They send you either to Harrisburg or Washington, and then they're, they're not really paying attention. They're counting on the fact that you're going to do the things you said, uh, even though they're, you know, they're off busy making lives for themselves and, 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 and taking care of their family. So, uh, from time to time, they'll check in and they need to know that what I said I was going to do is what I've actually done or what I'm actually working on. And uh, so I think it's very important that, that we remain true to those things that we said we were going to do when we when were elected. And I've been able to do that. I've, I think I've done, I think I've accomplished everything I said I would do in 2010 when I ran initially. I think all of those things, if I, my memory serves me well, have now been accomplished, ending with the property tax reform. Uh, bill that was just voted in last November. I, I know that uh, you have a very strong family military heritage, which I think is fantastic. And I actually have a similar heritage. So it's, you know, our country's really important to us. Uh, I was reading a quote by Benjamin Franklin uh, recently, and I wanted to read it to you and get your response on it. Um, Benjamin Franklin said, uh, they who can give up essential liberty to attain little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. Uh, what do you think about that? Yes, I think our, our liberties are important. Our basic rights uh, in the Constitution, those in the Bill of Rights especially, are very important. And we have to protect those in government. And I've always been a, a leader uh, protecting those rights. Um, uh, everything from our First Amendment, the five freedoms in the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, certainly, the Fourth Amendment, 
uh, to me is one of the one of the most critical also um, uh, to be the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects from unreasonable search and seizure shall not be violated, and no warrant shall issue, but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, particularly describing the place to be searched or the persons or things to be seized. That's the Fourth Amendment. Our founders took a, a lot of time to carefully craft those words to protect us from unwarranted government inter- intrusion in our lives, and I've, I've always been a protector of that, uh, even as we pass legislation. Uh, in Harrisburg, and when I go to Washington, I'll always be a protector of our liberty. So as you move forward, you're seeking a position in federal government. What is your position on government growth? Do you believe that we should have a large government, or should we trim government down and make it smaller? Absolutely smaller. The government is way too large, and uh, the larger it gets, uh, the less accountable it is to the people. Uh, and we see that now the bureaucracy, even in Harrisburg, is so large that it's not responsive to the elected officials in the legislature anymore. And the, and the bureaucracy in Washington is so big. You see it now with President Trump. It's actually fighting back against our president. It's supposed to be working under our president. He's supposed to be the boss of the bureaucracy. But they are actually resisting and fighting him within the bureaucracy. That's how large it is. That should be the first warning sign that the bureaucracy has become too big. It needs to be trimmed back and be reined in and held accountable to the people that, that were elected to oversee it and the, uh, the president who was elected to uh, uh, monitor and manage that. Hello, this is Casey, and I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my new book that just came out. It's called Complete trading system. This is my 25 years of trading experience sharing everything that I have learned in how to make a profit from the markets. You're going to learn about how to find the right instruments to trade, how to find a trend, how to get started as beginners. You're going to learn about how to get the right mindset and You're going to be able to put it all together to create a trading system of your own that will work for you. I highly recommend that you try it out. Just click the link right now. It's called Complete Trading System. It's available on Amazon. Thank you. Go ahead and check it out. I think you're going to love it. Now, Dr. Saccone, I I think that this is a pretty obvious question, and I think I know exactly how you're answering it, but I have to ask it because it seems like most politicians in Washington get this answer wrong. Maybe they would say the right thing, but they won't do the right thing. And the question is, who do you serve when you're working in government? I always serve the people that elected me. I always serve the people back home and following through with the Constitution, which I swear an oath to preserve and protect. (laughs) Uh, uh, those are those are the two guiding stars um, that uh, that I think every elected official should be mindful of as they're serving in public office. And so, as a leader, you are a greater servant because you're serving so many more people and you're held more accountable to more people. That means your standards need to be higher, and it's it's a, a much more difficult position to be in. Absolutely, 
uh, you know, the, the Bible tells us that the, uh, the more that we have, the more that's expected from us. So uh, there's a greater responsibility. So there's more that's expected from us and the people are going to be looking at us and, and uh, expecting us to uh, uh, be even more open, more honest, more communicating with them and, uh, and uh, doing, you know, what they say. And that's always, the, you know, the more people that you serve, it's harder to determine what do the people want in your district. Uh, and, and so it's, it's a job to continuously serve other people, talk to the people, engage the people. And my wife and I are probably the most visible, uh, team, legislative team that, uh, there is anywhere in any legislature. We're out there at every event, uh, we do just in our state house legislative district, about 250 events a year. Uh, that means every Eagle Scout, every fireman's banquet, every hundredth birthday party, everything that's going on that we're invited to, we try to. We try to uh, make those events just so that we can be engaged with the people that we serve and we can have a pulse on uh, what, what their needs are and what they're saying and what's on their mind. Uh, that's very important to us. And we still knock on doors, even, even in off years. We go out and knock on doors and just talk to people, see what's on their mind and see how we're doing. Uh, give us an update. And we have town hall meetings and we have get-togethers and informal and informal ones. Uh, just so that people know that they can have access to people really want to have access to their legislator and feel like they know him and, and their and his family and if they can approach him and talk to him. We've always lived by that. I think that that is pretty, pretty good. It makes me feel good that I know that if someone is in office who actually cares about me, because for the most part, I feel like they care about themselves, pushing their own personal agenda advancing their careers. That's why I had to ask the question because it seems like they're more accountable to gaining favor with people who are higher on the ladder in office uh, or business contacts or whatever it may be to help their own careers. So knowing that there's someone that's going to fight for me, the little guy, makes me feel pretty good. Yeah, and you have to be very careful because uh, many people that run for office, you know, they will deceive the public uh, because candidates can say anything. <laughs> get them. That's why it's so important that we look at the record of what they've done who they are, talk to the people in their areas that know them. Uh, that reputation is important that you engage them and talk to them because many candidates deceive the public promising them this or that. How many times have you been disappointed and that your viewers have been disappointed by people that they've elected that got in office and didn't do what they said they were going to do? I've done what I said I was going to do and I have a record to prove it. Yeah, that's a, that's a really big thing. And to answer that question, how many times have I been disappointed? Quite a bit. <laughs> quite a bit another uh, reason why i ran you know i was disappointed too you know, I was disappointed with the people that were in leadership and i said i'm going to go in there and try to do it the right way and uh you know it, once we got in there and started doing things the right way people realized how much better government is when you have good leaders that it, it really does start at the top and uh you know although in a 76 percent democrat district i was elected by a small margin my first time this last time, I, I think I got almost 70% of the vote. So uh, people see uh, as time goes by that you've done what you said, and they say, wow, this is great, and we want to keep you. Uh, Dr. Sacone, you're a very busy man. You're doing a lot of things. You're, you're always on the go. But I, there's, I want to ask you this question, and that is, what is it that really gets you up out of bed in the morning? Like, what is it that keeps you going? Like, what are you living for? Yeah, there's a couple of things. First is uh, the people in my community. There's so many good people that we've met that are depending on us. 
And whenever we get down, when my wife and I get down, we think about a lot of those people who have invested in us and asked us to help them. And so, you know, we get up uh, every day to say, you know, we've got to do that. We've got to serve those people. We've got to, we can't let them down. I don't want anybody to feel like we've let them down. We work as hard as we can and, uh, you know, we'll keep doing that. And the, and the other part of it is my own integrity. Uh, you know, I want people to know that I work as hard as possible every day. That's my work ethic and they can count on that. And I don't want them to think that, uh, you know, that I've slacked off or I, you know, I haven't given it my best shot. So, um, those are things that drive my family and I, our family name is important in our integrity and, and the fact that we're so many people in our community count on us. That's, a, that's, that's really good. Uh, Dr. Saccone, right now, Southwestern Pennsylvania is experiencing some job growth in the last couple of years. Uh, what type of policies do you plan to implement to help improve that job creation in our area? Yeah, it's very important that we continue to attract jobs to our area, including manufacturing jobs, including the jobs that are already here, our coal mines, our natural gas industry. Uh, uh, we want to we'll roll back the regulations that are holding back those in industries. President Trump has started doing that, and we're seeing the improvements from it. Uh, having and, and that feeds into the other part of attracting jobs here, which is uh, deep energy. Deep energy is the second highest determinant of whether manufacturing will move here to Pennsylvania or move back to Pennsylvania. And we have the cheapest energy in the country and we want to keep it that way so more manufacturers will move here. That creates more jobs in our local area. We have a lot of great people that want to work hard. Uh, they just they just need that, they just need a little help uh, with some job openings here. And those things are happening. And we want to keep up that momentum. So we're working hard on that. Uh, building the infrastructure that we need to bring those uh, jobs here and, and be able to move product to market and so forth. Uh, that's part of the president's plan too. Is to, uh, improve the infrastructure. And we have a lot of infrastructure needs in Western Pennsylvania, including bridges and roads, and dams and locks, waterways and, and communications. So we have a lot of room for improvement. And uh, that is a legitimate function of government is to help uh, put in the infrastructure so that the other, the private sector can then build off of that and improve. I think that's a really good uh, strategy. And I think that that will help a lot. I do know, however, that there's a lot of competition and resistance not maybe from the people, but from politicians that want to put more regulations on that want to tax more because they want more money for the government. They want to make it harder for, for energy and big business and manufacturing. They want to try to push jobs away based on their policies. So how are you going to combat that uh, in the, with the political process? The same way I've always combated it. You know, you have to get out there with logic, sound logic and reason. We have to make our case. We have to show the facts. The facts are on our side. <laughs> Uh, so if we, we make that case, uh, we'll continue to, to be able to roll back those regulations and uh, keep bringing, as we bring more manufacturing and, and as we improve our infrastructure and as those jobs are improving in the, in the coal mining and natural gas and, and, and oil industry here, uh, then people can see that. And then they be, the, the momentum builds and they're on our side. And then, and then we have that wave that people are behind us and we'll, we'll keep... Uh, we can keep pushing forward, confident that what we're doing is right. In regards to tax policy, are there any changes that you would like to see changed in in taxes? Do you think we should have more taxes, less taxes? How do you feel on, on taxation right now? So I've always been, my mantra has always been in the last eight years, defending the taxpayer. You can see it on my sign. 
the, the taxpayers are overburdened. They complain all the time. We have heavy taxes in Pennsylvania. And uh, I've always been uh, an advocate of rolling back taxes uh, and letting people keep more of their own money uh, and, uh, and spending less in government and making it more efficient so that the government needs less uh, to, to, to do its function. Doing more with less is, is important. Uh, and government is certainly has a, has a long way to go in that regard, but we've been able to do some of that. We're going to keep doing that, and I will keep doing that, because that's what the people want. It's, uh, it's easy, because when I go out and talk to them, they, they all say they're overtaxed. They don't believe that the, the money that's being sent to Harrisburg or Washington is being well spent, and there's plenty of evidence for that. And they want someone more that's going to advocate for them and, and make sure that money is spent wisely. Well, I think when we think about liberty, we think a lot about taxation. And the more taxation that we have, the less liberty we have. And if you're a fighter of liberty, then for liberty, then that's something that you would work on. So that's really good. Yes, you know, you can take from one extreme to the other. The more taxes, the less liberty. And I remember I served in North Korea, where it's 100% tax. Uh, you get to keep none of the money that you earn from the fruits of your own labor. It's all given to the government and the government redistributes it back to you the way they see fit. And so that is the worst, that is the far end of that extreme. And we wanna go back the other way uh, where we have less and less taxes where people keep the fruits of their own labor and the government gets only what it needs and what the people say it needs to function and provide the services that they want. Dr. Saccone, we actually only have time for one more question. And what I would like you to, what I'd like to put before you now is, what would you say to voters who are thinking about voting for you? Why should they choose you? Yes, I think it's a clear choice. Our country is in, and the world is in turmoil. We need the most qualified and experienced person with the best judgment to send to Washington to represent us. I clearly have that background. If you look at my diverse background in areas such as uh, education, military, the legislature, international business, it's a record that's unmatched by anybody in either party. And so it, the, the choice should be clear that uh, this is the time to bring my 40 years of life experience together to serve them in Washington, D.C. And I hope they'll vote for me on May 15th and in November. Well, Dr. Saccone, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It has really been an honor uh, to have you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Finance the Markets Cashflow Hacking Podcast. To get all the best financial growth strategies, visit financeandmarkets.com and claim your wealth report strategy. for tuning in to another insightful episode of How to Trade It with Casey Stubbs. We hope you found today's discussion valuable and inspiring. Remember, the road to trading mastery is a continuous one, and your commitment to learning and growing as a trader is the key to your success. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out to us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep trading your way to victory. Until next time.